Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our readers and listeners of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine the show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Nick W., Brent S., Todd A., and Linda S. On Smith Weekly Discussions today is a new guest of a returning company. David D'Onofrio has joined us. David is CEO and Director of White Gold Corp., a Yukon-focused gold project explorer and developer advancing a number of projects in the White Gold District. White Gold has a substantial land package in the district and key JV relations with Agnico Eagle and Kenross. White Gold is currently a portfolio holding at Smith Weekly Research. The company is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol WGO and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol WHGOF. David, welcome to the show and how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Well, David, you're new to the show. And of course, uh, you know, Sean Ryan was on here last time about a year and a half ago. Let's kick it off here just briefly uh, with a little bit on your relevant background and experience in this sector. So I am also part of the Power One Capital Group. Power One is a fully integrated merchant bank. We're based in Toronto. We've been around for almost 20 years now. And we're a sector agnostic uh, investment group, but we've really, you know, entered the market, cut our teeth in the natural resource sector, uh, you know, right in the early 2000s. And that has always been a cornerstone of our business. And our focus has been on the, generally in, in the resource and development part of that sector. And, you know, fortunately over the last almost 20 years, we've been in, able to participate with some you know, very high profile success stories and along the way develop some incredible relationships with some very talented management teams and uh, you know work with some of the you know the, the best uh, mining companies uh, from around the globe it's that kind of uh, experience that's you know really now starting to actually pay dividends as an investment group because you know over the years you sort of get to meet these uh, special and very capable individuals and as they you know go on to have their success and look to uh, launch new projects uh, you know based on our relationships we're uh, you know able to get sort of called very early on in, in, in the formation phases of these companies and be able to participate in uh, a lot of great opportunities and that's sort of what we're seeing currently where we're involved with you know a lot of the same management teams that we've had such good success with in the past on new type ventures and and White Gold is exactly that type of a story where, you know, we've known Sean Ryan for a long time. We've been major investors in the Yukon, big believers. And when he brought this opportunity to us a few years ago, uh, you know, we immediately saw the benefit. I'm sure Sean touched on that. Happy to get into that a little more through our conversation. But, you know, just we're thrilled to be able to sort of participate with a such a highly decorated and successful prospector as Sean Ryan with what we believe is going to be you know, a generational, incredibly unique opportunity in a tier one mining jurisdiction with a rich and prolific history that's, you know, literally have seen almost next to no modern day exploration. So something very special. We were, uh, you know, all in right from the beginning and, you know, not surprising. That's why I was able to attract the attention of the likes of Ken Ross and Eco. 
And David, before we get into white gold, talk a little bit more about Power One, led by yourself and Pat DiCapo. You've made a number of natural resource sector investments, as you stated, including some in the uranium sector as well. You've been in most of these businesses within the natural resource sector entirely. Um, but maybe you can just talk about Pat for a moment. And then also talk about Power One's shareholding ownership in white gold. Sure. Pat is a very um, unique individual, and he's really, you know, built a model, you know, as a as the founder of Power One that's led to its success. He um, values uh, the strategic, um, uh, you know, benefit of of working with the right people in properly structuring uh, companies. And uh, you know his model as being a very patient investor really allows has allowed him to be as successful as the, as he and the firm has been uh, in the resource sector. You know the resource sector is very cyclical, as we all know, which you know in in the bad times makes it very tough. But you know when you're in the bright part of the cycle, uh, you know the opportunity is you know <laughs> very unique. You know from a capital markets and financial perspective. And uh, if you're able to find the right types of projects and bring in the right people to help operate them, you know, you can sleep well at night knowing you have a world-class asset and maybe in the short term, not necessarily worry about, you know, how the market may value that. As long as you can keep the capital structure intact, protect the shareholders and wait for the right time, you know, you have you can optimize your opportunity to be very successful in that industry. And you know, we're seeing that today. Uh, you know, perfect case studies of that that thesis in the uranium sector. You know, there's a, some uranium companies that we've been involved with for well over a decade now. Uh, Encore Uranium is one of them. Laramide is another one. Uh, these are companies that are run by you know very highly capable individuals with you know a tremendous amount of expertise in the uranium sector uh, they have um, some very uh, significant assets in the United States and after you know it's been close to 10 years now where you know this the cycle's been so out of favor but you know but but you know we kind of had the thesis that you know if you can stick it out and wait it out and protect the capital structure of the company when the cycle does turn, uh, the opportunities will be second to none because there really is, as I'm sure you, you and your re listeners are aware, very few uranium mines out there. That sector has become topical. Obviously, this whole green metal theme um, is at the forefront of everyone's mind, uh, you know, as it rightly should be, I think, in this uh, political and economic environment that we're in today. And these types of opportunities are going to be the first to move, and there's not many like them. And in particular, where you have uh, political enthusiasm as well, in addition to the commodity price movement, like we see in the uranium and, you know, a lot of these strategic minerals where, you know, the U.S. and other countries have declared, um, you know, priority in, in funding, exploration and development for strategic and other purposes, uh, looking to uh, reduce their reliance on certain other jurisdictions. These type of industries will see significant influxes of capital, uh, like we're starting to see now. and you know. When you have the leading assets with the right management team, you know the capital is going to pour to these few names, and that's when you can hopefully see some exceptional returns that will pay pay for the wait. Um, you know that's certainly yeah. the case for those couple. You know, <laughs> for better or worse, you know we have a number of uh, names in our 
you know portfolio which are in that situation the along this green metal theme uh, uh, lithium is, is certainly very topical these days that's a sector we've been involved with since 2008 we were actually part of the group that took lithium america's public it was the first uh ipo of a brian lithium company ever in toronto actually you know to, and it was so novel to the extent that the, the geos at the osc didn't even you know understand what a lithium brine deposit was so you know we had to kind of partly educate them as part of the listing process and you know that company sort of came out of the gate hot but you know it, it's wait sometimes when you're you know early or too early which we certainly were then uh you know this was before tesla even went public you know people heard of an electric car maybe you know really didn't understand the potential and you know it's taken you know we're 12 years ahead now and really until now for you know we start to see the the realization of, of, of this uh, transformation, decarbonization of, uh, of transportation. And so that company's went through a few iterations, uh, but we, we brought in, you know, uh, Magnum, Mitsubishi very early on, it was backed by a good team, it was a great asset. So, you know, so you just kind of got to work with the management team to advance it as smartly as possible. And when the time is right, you know, look where it is today. It's now listed on the New York Stock Exchange. It's a multi-billion dollar asset. And, uh, you know, very exciting prospects as probably one of the next producers. And, you know, along my earlier sort of discussion around being able to work with these capable um, entrepreneurs or, you know, geologists or, what, you know, whatever you want to call them, uh, you know, we had the good fortune of being able to work with Waldo Perez, you know, after the Lithium Americas, he went on to found an, uh, another lithium company based in Argentina called Neolithium. We were his early partner in that. We listed it on TSX Venture a few uh, years ago. And, you know, that, again, he's gone on to find another world-class asset. They released their pre-feasibility study a couple of years ago with just, you know, astronomical valuation. I think it was around $1.1 billion US. But the market at the time, you know, wasn't as focused on, you know, green metals, you know, whether it was cannabis or crypto or whatever it was, you know, this is speculative money had different attention. But here we are now in this environment uh, you have this world-class asset, you know, it was just validated in terms of quality, in my opinion, by um, the, the fact that they were able to attract CATL, the largest battery manufacturer in the world, as a strategic shareholder. They bought 8% of the company. And, you know, why that's particularly important in that sector is unlike gold and copper where you pull it out of the ground, you know, there's a buyer for it. This stuff is very highly specialized. It's a real chemistry experiment. You need to have the right um metallurgical components and, and the ability to uh, obtain the purity levels needed for a battery and you know i think with them making that investment that sort of should signal to the market that you know this particular brine which we thought all along it did uh meets these characteristics and actually just today they put out a press release showing that their brine can meet these sort of ultra high purity um qualifications that is required by these uh, battery manufacturers. So, you know, that's a, you know, another story, you know, based on 10 plus years of relationships, but understanding the sector, uh, working with the right people. And, you know, now we see this, you know, it's come into favor and the returns are, you know, you know, quite exceptional. Yeah. And I want to bring this back to white gold for a sec, because you're the only guy at Power One that's actually out there running white gold. I mean, Pat DiCapo is not really too involved himself, and you're not involved with being on these other companies specifically, except for White Gold. So talk about that importance, and talk about how vested Power One is into White yeah, Gold. Yeah, that's you know that, that um, uh, good for you to sort of pick up on that. Um, not something we maybe necessarily advertise, but you know these 
other type companies which are part of our core position that you know we think about and work on every day and it's not in a direct management or even a you know directorship role usually you know something we're always doing because at the end of the day we're equity shareholders in this like everyone else we've written checks into it like everyone else and our goal is for this equity value to appreciate the white gold story um, is no different in that regard where it is unique is that you know we were able to work with Sean so very closely in the formation of this company uh, that it, you know it almost felt like we were part of the of the management team and what was a little bit different is that unlike a lot of founders who want to you know wear all these different hats in their companies Sean you know he wasn't necessarily interested in that like he recognizes what he's good at and what he likes to do which is you know being in the field uh, prospecting analyzing data looking for technological advancements to help sort of be able to advance his exploration methodologies that's what he wants to do and that's what he wants to focus on and that's what he's good at and and that's how you know businesses should be run you know a small business unfortunately the resources aren't necessarily there to allow people to specialize like that but you know when sean kind of uh, indicated that was his interest you know that led us to think like well you know what that could really work out well so now you know you know typically in the junior resource space you'll see a ceo especially if they're a geo they're kind of doing that plus they have to take on the task of running the capital markets marketing etc well hey you know what listen we're sean's partner why don't you know we divide and conquer here let sean do what it is that he likes to do and he's an expert at and we as the power one group like i'm sitting in the chair but i really feel like it's effectively you know the entire power one group sitting in the chair you know, being able to manage the capital markets and, and running the corporate side of the business, which is what we like to do, what we're, you know, good at. And um, it's really worked out well, you know, in terms of being able to optimize our resources. David, talk about just your guys's, you know, allocation into the company. I mean, is white gold your guys's largest allocation? You know, it, it's a very uh, significant investment for us. You know, we are check writers. We've, you know, written checks alongside of Agnico and Kinross and recently Eric Sprott and all the different financings. And, you know, it, it financially, it's very significant for us in terms of, um, you know, what we've invested. Uh, but, you know, we truly believe that this company is one of those premier, like generational type opportunities. Uh, I think we're heading into the right sector. You know, I mean, our share price doesn't reflect it today. Um, but, you know, I, we think that the value in this company is literally second to none and have never sort of been more optimistic about the prospects of this company. Opportunities like this will help us better articulate what we're doing to unlock that value and where we are in that process. But it is certainly, you know, one of the things we are you know most directly involved with obviously myself as a ceo you know it's the first thing i think of in the morning and the, you know and last thing i think of when i go to bed and you know in addition to working on it all day long uh, and i really you know do believe that this company with the you know the assets we have that are already established and you know the the size of our land package with the you know, history it has and, you know, the, the expiration success we've had today, what we're seeing, uh, you know, the, 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 the potential is, you know, second to none, especially in a tier one jurisdiction like, uh, it, you know, we have in the Yukon. And, you know, this is what Agnico sees. This is what Kinra sees. This is what Eric Sprott sees. You know, this is, uh, you know, we've had a number of highly sophisticated investors in our company. And, um, 
you know, I, I, I don't doubt that this, you know, will realize, I think we're very fortunate that we have the right market here to be able to capitalize on this. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm you know, very hopeful that, you know, we're going to start to see that value come back, you know, more clearly appreciated by the market. Like even, you know, the analysts who, who cover us, you know, I think are, there's, there's a couple and our, the average uh, target price is, you know, north of $3 here, you know, notwithstanding that, you know, we're trading at 75 cents here. And, and sort of the way I put it, um, and I've mentioned this maybe on one or two of these other video interviews that are out there, is think about an exploration company, right? You start and, you know, what's your goal, right? You're, you're hoping to, you know, find a sniff of something. Then you got to raise a bunch of capital. You got to work on it. There's a tremendous amount of risk. It takes a long time for these things to be successful. White gold, what it has, you know, it's got this pure blue sky opportunity, but, you know, this flagship gold and saddle asset we have, that's already been done. Like the, the, the probabilities in the exploration game are so slim to actually being able to find what will be an economic deposit. Uh, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of expertise. That's already been done. This company already has in it the benefit of over 10 years of exploration work, over $100 million being spent, the benefit of being able to track two major mining companies as partners. Uh, you know, if I told you that at the beginning, if I said, hey, listen, you know, Mr. Investor, if I can guarantee to you that I'm going to find a world-class discovery, I'm going to get this taken out, I'm going to be able to raise $100 million, I'm going to be able to bring in two world-class partners, Eric Sprott, Power One, people like that, and I'm trading at 75% today, and you, you know this thing's going to be valued at north of $3. Like, would you want to invest? And, you know, the answer is going to be yes. And well, that's what White Gold has, and that's not even giving consideration to everything else we have, which is what the company was initially founded on. That you know, people were very excited about today. So, uh, you know, the, the story really has it all from my perspective. You know, as you mentioned, we've been doing this for a long time. And, you know, I don't doubt that the market's going to realize that. And we just have to, you know, continue to do what we're doing corporately and in the field to, you know, continue to increase the value for our shareholders. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to some degree, sometimes the market is confused short term on what the strategy is. And I want to talk about that more in a moment. It's always good to see management writing checks instead of just collecting them. That's always a good start. Unfortunately, and this is whether here or there, you know, because of our other dealings, like, you know, this, I don't need to fortunately rely on a check from white gold, you know, as a, as a, as a livelihood. So, you know, Sean Ryan takes zero salary. I probably take, you know, a fraction of what a typical CEO salary would be. And, you know, I, we want to see the money go in the ground because that's where we're going to get the best return for it as shareholders. Yes, absolutely agreed. That's why it's in our portfolio and the share price, I believe will move. It's been choppy and, and fairly quiet, but nonetheless, when it does start to move, I, I think that there is a desire from management to look at multiple million ounce deposits, not just one deposit, not just two deposits, but there's a potential to have a lot here. And so that's what we see. And I think that's what some of these other folks who have come in see as well. Let's back up just for a moment. I just wanted to ask you briefly, your thoughts on the gold market here, David, do we go lower? Do we stay the same or do we go higher in 2021 onward? You know, notwithstanding some choppiness that could be coming up, you know, with the election, you know, wrapping up and some other things, I fundamentally think we will see an increase, uh, in, a continued increase in the gold price. I don't know how dramatic it will or won't be, but I, I you know, I think, I, you know, I, there's a lot of stimulus. I'm not an economist, but there's a lot of stimulus, you know, going into the world, as we all know. You know, that's going to be buying things. 
that's going to have an effect on the value of currencies. You know, if traditionally that would sort of you know devalue currency, if that's going to happen with the U.S. dollar, like we've, I think started to see a little bit, that's going to be reflected in increased commodity prices. Um, but with that said, I think you know as a June, you know, it's, it's good for market sentiment. It's good for the majors who continue to print more cash the higher the, the price goes. But fundamentally, as a junior exploration company, we shouldn't necessarily need to be as sensitive to that. You know, it's, it's more binary. Like, are you going to make a discovery or you're not? And whether the gold price is 1750, 1850, or 1950, you know, that, that shouldn't make such a difference, right? And I know with our, you know, again, like, depends on who you're talking to, who gets more excited about what. Uh, you know, I'm equally excited, but I sleep very well at night knowing we have, you know, almost 1.8 million ounces, two plus grams open pit. You know, at gold prices anywhere near here, this is, in my view, and based on some desktop studies we've done, you know, the possibility of being a robustly economic deposit, right? And and that's, you know, <laughs> understood by others out there too, which is why the phone is ringing um, by interested parties. So I think it's going to go higher. Fundamentally, that's good for the whole sector because it just brings more eyeballs and, and, you know, capital to the sector, which, again, you know, the tide is going to, the rising tide rises all raises all boats, but less. I'm a little bit less sort of you know focused on that on a day-to-day basis, to be honest. But I do think we're heading into a strong goal. I think we're heading into a strong commodities market in general, actually. Yeah, certainly agreed. Gold makes up a big part for us. Uh, copper and and some other uh, base metals is important to us, and then of course uranium is very important to us. And we've done a lot of homework on the sector and know what needs to happen and what will happen. David, talk about the Yukon for a moment from a jurisdictional risk standpoint, because we've gotten a little bit of negativity coming out of here on the regulatory and social side, but maybe you can kind of set the record straight a little bit here. What are your thoughts on appetite for developers to do business in the Yukon? What's your thoughts on the Yukon as a jurisdiction? Still one of the better ones in Canada. What's your thoughts? I think it's one of the better ones in Canada and certainly one of the better ones in the world. From our perspective, um, I couldn't, you know, imagine more support and better, you know, support receptiveness to what it is we're look, working on doing from the government at all different levels within the Yukon, you know, and, and you know, there, you can't ask for a better validation of that comment than the federal government and the territorial government announcing a multi hundred million dollar infrastructure program to support the exploration and development industries in the Yukon. That was, I think it was 2017, it was announced called the Resource Gateway Project, where the Prime Minister and the Premier were in Dawson, and they announced this program, and it was $360 million to upgrade existing roads within the Yukon, a number of districts, strictly for the purpose of advancing, you know, mineral development in the Yukon. Uh, You know, that was broken up into three different districts, and uh, let me touch on that later, because I think this is kind of going to get back into some of this conversations you, know, you may have in terms of support. Um, but, you know, a big part of that was in our district and uh, where it was it is planned and it, it is moving forward. And, uh, you know, uh, this is the year I think we're going to start seeing, you know, Earth starting to move. It was a road going from Dawson or a, an upgrade to the existing roads, which are mainly plaster roads now from Dawson right down to Gold Corp's coffee project at the time and uh as we know newmont acquired gold corp and is now the owner of that asset so that has changed the timeline for the development of that project which 
is unfortunate for us because you know as we all know in an emerging district it's that first operation that sort of you know takes the most amount of confidence and, and faith to, to get underway but once that's there it's a domino effect for seeing all this other sort of um, additional infrastructure build on and, and projects come underway uh, we can chat about that in a little bit but you know, I, to your first point is like, you know, what kind of support is there? Like, you tell me uh, other places in the world where you see that happening. And that's just roads. There's other infrastructure, and that's a funded program, by the way. So that money is sitting in, in, you know, in an escrow fund to, for this. In two of the other districts, you know, the earth has started to move. That's being moved forward. Um, and, you know, so that you know, there's not not many places that, that I'm aware of where you're seeing that kind of support, and that's just for the roads. So you know, there's airport improvements, there's other types of infrastructure, housing, sewage, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, you couldn't ask for a better backdrop. Um, what we've s s sort of heard, and and you know, what's unique about the Yukon is um, there's from a First Nations perspective, there's different groups in different areas. Now. Generally, the Yukon is one of the most progressive and has some of the best relationships in Canada with the First Nations. In our district, particularly, you know, I think we have an excellent relationship with the First Nations and, and the First Nations, the different groups have excellent relationships with the government. Some of these other areas aren't exactly uh, that situation. And there has been, you know, different pushbacks for different projects or different aspects of projects over the years but you know where we are now those are all uh, nothing that hasn't been resolved uh, and I think a lot of that was sort of administrative the way sort of certain approvals were uh, filed you know versus what some people maybe want to see things happening in a couple steps versus it all getting lumped into one type of approval so there's some semantics around that generally I think it's supportive you know that you know we're obviously very on top of that that's what our intel says for those other districts our district, though, you know, I think we've been uh, very fortunate. You saw Gold Corp was r racing ahead to uh, to build their mine, uh, and that would have been in production this year. So, you know, th that was all, you know, worked out, and that's, you know, your best uh, indication of the type of support you can have. And, you know, and other, like Victoria Gold, you know, they commissioned their mine this year. Like, there's, I think, two other mines that are not fully put permanent that are going into production. So things are very much happening in the Yukon, and I think, uh, you know, some of the noise gets a little bit more maybe airtime than you know all the other positive stuff that's happening but generally speaking from my perspective the yukon continues to be an excellent place to uh do business and invest yeah if you could handle well the uh, the social part of that and dealing with the government uh in a good way i think that that works out pretty well and certainly yukon's in my opinion can be better than ontario for new project permitting etc and then you know you have labrador which is you know a little bit more easygoing if you will and you know bc is more challenging um go ahead and just update us here on the current capital structure of white gold as far as the mm -hmm. shares out and if you would can you also just include the percentages of the major shareholders you'd like to point out or approximate yeah. numbers and then cash on hand right so we have about 130 million shares outstanding right now major shareholders are agnico and kinross who both have a little over 17 percent uh after that would be management and insiders which is predominantly the power one group and sean ryan that's about 23 and a half percent uh eric sprott joined us this year as a significant shareholder so he's uh on top of that as a, a few percent this was his first investment in the company 
And then the balance is, is our public float, which is you know, another 35 odd percent. And there's a few very sophisticated institutions in there as well. Um, and then, you know, retail kind of rounding out the balance there. In terms of cash, uh, we're projecting 4 million in the treasury. At the end of uh, the end of 2021 or sorry, end 20, of 2020? Sorry, I guess I'm still kind of wrapping up <laughs> things for our <laughs> 2020 year and, you know, it, this year was a little different. I don't forget this in Denial, but with the COVID, everything kind of got pushed back by a couple of months. So I'm still sort of like you see, we're you know we're still working on getting out our news flow for the 2020 season, and that's probably going to take another. You know, I, you know it's going to continue here, and I think we should have some stuff out shortly, and then you know more news to follow probably for you know for at least another month or so. What's the runway look like as far as the need to finance again in 2021? Yeah, I can't answer that question right now because I don't know the answer. So this is the time of year where we'll sit down with our partners, like Nico and Kinross, and uh, you know, say, you know, we've all, you know, obviously they're well up to speed in terms of uh, you know what we've done. You know, they're, they're phenomenal partners, really. You know, from my experience, just if I can digress here for one second. You know, often you see a major sort of an investor and a junior and, you know, they'll give them a little bit of money and say, you know, go do what you're going to do and come back in the end of the year and let us know how it went. Whereas, you know, these guys are on site regularly, not this year, unfortunately, COVID, but, you know, the past few years, three, four times senior members of their team. And they've really, you know, worked to develop a plan for success for us and are, you know, almost holding our hand help us come down that path to sort of achieve this uh, type of thing. So it's been a really phenomenal partnership. Uh, but back to your original question. So, you know, they're well up to speed on what, what's happened and, you know, participants and planning it all. And then now it's at this time of year where we kind of sit down and say, okay, you know, what do we want to do next year? How's that going to look? Where do we want to focus? And, you know, what's that going to cost? And then, you know, we get into the discussion of, you know, how do we finance that? So we can certainly suspect at some point during the year there will be a financing. You know what, most like historically, that's been the case. This year is, you know, we're in a very different gold environment. You know, there could be some, you know, type of corporate activities or non-dilutive type financing that may be, you know, potential. Uh, you know, there's, there's been a lot of discussions and ideas thrown around that may not follow our traditional route of just kind of equity financing at the beginning of each season. Okay. So, time will tell. Yeah, but it's, it's a good time. because <laughs> The market is sort of for guys in our uh, business, you know, it's really in a, in a strong place in terms of the availability of capital looking for, you know, these types of opportunities. There can be very good dilution that happens. And uh, I think that that, uh, in this case here, can be very useful. So can you just talk about, again, just the importance of Sean Ryan being at the company as really a cornerstone leader at White Gold? And just maybe talk to a moment about his just, you know, unconventional means and methods like ground truth. For people who sort of don't know too much about Sean, I encourage you to go do a little bit of Googling. This is a guy that's really, you know, he's kind of, he grew up in a mining camp in Timmins. He's sort of seen how it works, but he's just a true, you know, he's one of these guys that's built and thinks on a different level. His, 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 his curiosity has taken him through all these, you know, wonderful excursions throughout Canada and, and led him to the, to the Yukon as a mushroom picker. But, you know, his brain is, he's a data scientist, really is what he is. And he's always analyzing data, looking how to do things better. And, you know, he leveraged that type of approach to help, you know, become this successful mushroom picker, which, you know, supported his family financially while he was really, you know, prospecting in this, you know, historic part of our country that, you know, has never seen any 
types of modern day exploration. And that's, you know, I don't know how many people, but you know, he's the only guy I know that's made a cover of New York Times Magazine twice now for, you know, his, what he's done in, in the past, part of it for mushroom picking and part of it for these, you know, major gold discoveries that his novel methods have led to. And, you know, the Yukon's different than many places in the world. There's not a lot of outcrop. So, you know, what, which is the, what a lot of prospectors use, uh, you know, in this business. But he was able to um, kind of crack the code in terms of soil geochemistry and what, how that can lead to different uh, types of deposits and, and exploration success. So it was through him delineating the, the soil signatures and it's not necessarily just gold it's, you know, business arsenic all these different elements that uh, have these associations because believe it or not this area of the yukon was never glaciated which is why the soils in place have been there for god knows how long you know but you know but long enough to sort of leach out these different elements and, and that's what you need to use as your indicator so he, 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 he took this approach. It led to some very early success. It's the basis of most of our exploration. He's gone and developed what I believe is the largest soil geochemistry database in Canada, maybe even in the world. The company has now well north of 400,000 different soil samples in the district. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, our district is incredibly large. It's 400,000 hectares, which is about a million acres. Um, but what it really represents, and you know, not everyone really gets it. Sean's been up there for so long now, going over these grounds, staking claims, dropping claims. That is, you know, he's he's identified the mineralized systems for the most part. And once you do that, then you sort of start to layer on the more sophisticated levels of science, whether it's the, uh, you know, the structural type interpretations or others or lidar and other types of investigatory work. So within these mineralized systems, this is what he's focused in on. And the claims that we kept are really 80% of the identified targets within our district. And, uh, you know, to us, I view that as, you know, you know, where we are today and where we are in the, in the discovery cycle in this particular district, it's like owning the majority of, you know, some of these camps in like Timmins or Valdor or Nevada. 70 years ago right and you know put yourself in a, in a time machine and said hey if i can go stake up 70 percent of timmins or the hemlo camp uh and go back in time like what's that going to be worth today and i i fundamentally believe that is the opportunity we have and if you're fast forwarding you know 5 10 20 years you know we could be on this point that way. we are literally just scratching the surface you know sean is doing a soil work with a tulip auger the two big discoveries that's happened in the district in the last 10 years have literally been at surface so now you know when you're starting to see that you know you have 20 million ounces of gold that's been the creeks like when is a camp at camp you have western copper with 14 million ounces of gold um you know to me all the signatures are there we're scratching the surface we're having success on the surface and you know more than likely there's going to be even more prolific resources as we go deeper that's excellent and he's certainly committed definitely to white gold and he's he just knows so much about the entire yeah he knows more than anyone on the planet there's no doubt about that and what he as he always says he uh you know he, he doesn't take a salary but he's got the royalties so <laughs> he wants to see yeah. this, these things get into production well on this let's transition into company plans for 2021 maybe just talk about what work will be done across the projects and what will really be the core focus in 2021 yeah for, for sure 
the way we built our program and you know basically since inception is we broken up we, we break up our project into kind of three different buckets we have our advanced projects which are the golden saddle and our arc deposits and now we've added the qb deposit uh last year we bought that from comstock and that's you know totals about a million eight ounces just under and you know we've done some very successful work in that regard uh, over the last few years now we are not a company that's here to delineate uh deposits you know take them from you know inf indicated to measured or or whatnot right like you know we're an exploration company we want to be able to get the best bang for our um shareholders dollars and that's by making new discoveries or making dynamic sort of um, increases to our existing resources so that's what we focused on just uh with regards to that uh, those assets and we've been very successful in that regard. When we acquired the assets, you know, it was just a little from Kinross or when they rolled it in for their equity interest, it was a little over a million ounces. We've grown this now, to, as I mentioned, one point, just under 1.8 million ounces, over two grams. And that, you know, is now a, so, so I think that's a great success. The fact that the gold price has gone from $1,100 to $1,800, you know, that's not our doing, but, you know, it's, it's you know, fundamentally increased the value, you know, of this deposit between the size of growth and the gold price. You know, this, in my view, is, is, is very sort of uh, unique in terms of its size and grade profile within, um, un, within, uh, within the group of assets in Canada that um, are currently, you know, pre-development, right? So, you know, that list is very short. I, I'm pretty sure we're in the, the, you know, the top decile. You know, one of the studies I've seen uh, not too long ago, and you've seen some of the investor presentations, if you take all the assets in Canada, how many of those are over a million ounces? How many of those could produce 100,000 ounces a year? How many of those could have cash costs all in under $1,000? Uh, you know, I think, you know, based on our, our internal studies, there aren't like pre-feasibility or anything of that level yet. You know, we, we, we fit that parameter bucket and you know they're based on those studies are not many of those around so in terms of you know where are we in this gold market where are we in the uh, M&A cycle I think we're very early on in the M&A cycle we start to see a little bit of activity last year those are sort of you know some no premium deals the premium is starting to get bigger and as that the more deals that happen the prices start to go up you know there there's a fundamental reality that producers need to you know continue to increase their research base they have not done much exploration in the last decade so that, that particular asset in itself has now come on the radar of a lot of people we truly uh, appreciate the value there and as i mentioned before you know there's conversations around that of you know what to do right so there is some value which i think can is certainly not being realized by the market and that can be unlocked very easily uh, but it's a matter of you know what do we want to do that's going to make create the most value for our shareholders. In terms of the work we've done, uh, last year what you saw and you know most likely this year uh, is you know we will continue to demonstrate the upside growth potential of that deposit, not by continuing to like step it out or drill it, but by focusing on some new discovery potential and recent new discoveries within a very close proximity to that deposit. So last year you saw we did a bunch of diamond drilling on the Ryan Surprise target. That's uh, two kilometers to the west. You know, we, we encountered some phenomenally high grades on almost all the holes we drilled. You know, we're talking 15 gram plus type material. Uh, that was our second season doing work on that. The previous season, you know, we also had similar type success. We think there's opportunity there for that to continue. It's, you know, we're left open in all directions. Likely we'll spend some more time over there just to sort of see, see 
how big it is and you know trace it along strike uh, some more because those types of ounces when they're that close to a deposit that is immediately accretive and you can really build that value with a very low sort of investment uh, uh, amount of dollars so there's that target there's a number of other targets this is a distinct trend actually it's a couple kilometers to the west of the golden saddle we've identified a, a couple of other targets there which based on the surface work we've done look very prospective so um, assuming we're going to want to go back and do some drilling on that uh, again for the same reason why uh, we wanted to do the work on the uh, ryan surprise and based on the success and what we saw on the ryan surprise we're very very excited about the prospects of uh, these new targets especially in consideration of how close they are to the to the golden saddle so that's one area where we're going to be focusing on um, the other uh, second bucket is what i'll call more sort of our intermediary type uh, targets where it's you know we stuff where we've done uh you know we've done all the the surface work we've done the structural work we've actually been working with the new structural consultant the last year or so really brought a new perspective to the district it was the first time there kind of opened our eyes up on a few things and you know it's led to some discoveries and we're certainly going to be following up on that with more drilling so it's either targets that are being identified for first time drilling or targets that you know we've done some drilling on and you know we think are you know pretty high priority uh, you know some of the stuff in, in that category is our jp ross project which is you know road accessible we have identified you know six or seven targets there we've done some you know had some great surface results trenching we've done some rab drilling uh diamond drilling the vertigo that's you know been very interesting probably spent some uh time over there um another you know we've done some work on a titan target you know potentially some more work around there one of the projects which we'll likely get to this year which unfortunately you know just you know part of the challenge of having so many projects is you got to prior you got to sort of prioritize is our betty project and so sean always claims that this was everyone's favorite um you know when he first put this package together and i can fully understand why it's contiguous to newmont's coffee project to the east it sits along the same structural Trend. It's right on the Coffee Creek Fault. Um, we've done some drilling there in 2011, or sorry, 2018, and we had some very interesting results. You know, one of those holes was 50 plus meters at a little over a gram. Uh, material that looked, you know, quite similar to what uh, you know they'd seen over at Coffee. Again, not surprisingly, and so that you know is a really uh, something that we need to get back and people want us to get back and work on so we're going to be working there i think that's um you know that's you know that that's where you want to be spending your dollars right you know we have you have very high indication and some past success and based on where it is and what's going on with the coffee i think that uh you know that's it's going to be a very exciting target to to do some work on uh so so you know that's part of it there's a couple more which we're uh mulling over so you know there's there will be my guess is a fairly substantial amount of drilling on some new targets uh in this intermediary bucket which is you know probably the most exciting because it's stuff you know there's a lot of smoke there and now let's go find the fire yeah and then, yeah david on these particular projects you know there's a lot of them and it's hard for folks when you're spreaded out on all the different projects at the same time i guess my thought is is from a strategy standpoint does it make sense to delineate like Golden Saddle to extend to this to a point where it actually starts to look like a 200,000 ounce per year producer that's a 12 year mine life, et cetera. Do you think that that from a share price perspective helps? Or do you think that touching on all of these with a series of smaller satellite deposits 
makes more sense. What's your thought just on price appreciation, which obviously it makes it easier to raise capital. What's your thoughts on how that drives forward? I think from our perspective, right, if you look at what it takes to go from a, a deposit to, you know, a, an economic feasibility study, this type of delineation drilling, you know, that's sort of, you know, I'm sure you're aware of the Lasson curve. That's kind of like the boring part of the curve where you don't necessarily want to be in. So I think as First of all, our team, what's our skill set? What's our strengths? That's expir- that's exploration and discovery. Um, I think we'd be able to add way more value for our shareholders by making new discoveries in a close proximity. We know what we have there as a minimum. And, you know, I think that's a robust project. And I think instead of, you know, doing 50 meter step outs, uh, you know, to add a, you know, a few thousand ounces here and there by showing we have these, you know, multi hundred thousand ounce, million ounce deposits so close by, you know, those, those are game changer type um, activity uh, from my perspective. And, and and maybe this kind of ties into what I was touching on before is, you know, based on that type of a strategy, this, this project here has that type of merit, has that type of potential, but it needs to go to the next level, right? So our, our team is not designed to do that. We need to now go and figure out how we're going to take this asset and move it to the next level because you know it doesn't serve anyone any interest to have it sitting here, you know, not being fully appreciated by the market because you know we're doing all these other different things. So it is a priority for us to come up with a game plan for that asset. Uh, like I mentioned before, fortunately we're in a strong market here where we have a lot of different alternatives uh, in front of us. But I think strategically, it's 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 the right time where we can really optimize the value of that for our shareholders. And then, you know, that, that will be crystallized and, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a sale, maybe it's a, you know, a venture with one of our partners, maybe it's some other arrangement. I don't know, but you know, something that's going to be highly accretive to the value of the white gold share price. Yes. And can I just add just on the question there on the radius, the satellite deposits, what do you see as really a reasonable economic radius? Are we talking 20 kilometers, 30 kilometers? And then on top of that, if the market doesn't really realize the potential there, would you guys sell these off as you discover them and move on to the next yeah, one? Yeah, so, like, you know, that that's a, a great question. And, you know, it depends where are you in the development of a district, right? Right now, there's, you know, the coffee is sort of, you know, pretty much ready to be developed. And that's a decision for Newmont to make. Uh, the Golden Saddle, you know, it still needs to, would need to go to a feasibility. Once you let's sort of fast forward a few years and if things continue, let's say like the the coffee goes into development, let's say the golden saddle goes into development, they're different styles. You have a mill, you have a heap leach. Now, anything you find in a district, like you see in Timmins, with the road system that the government's putting in place, that's basically economic war. You find something, you, you, you shovel it up, and you truck it to one of these two different facilities, right? So with our package, you know, we can be a feeder. Listen, the goal here is to find these multi-million ounce deposits, as we touched on earlier on. But let's just say, you know, in addition to that, we start to find these few hundred thousand little pods here and there. That is all real economic material to be able to, to put in place to some of these uh, you know, other facilities. Now, in, in today, you know, we're not there yet, but, you know, I think you're kind of working for that vision of what will likely be the situation in the future. You know, in terms of, you know, selling each, you know, I think each deposit, yeah, we are a project generator. You know, we want to take these different projects we have, optimize the value, and then look to sort of monetize those in in, in a form that makes sense. Uh, you know, today we haven't done that yet, but it's very much sort of, you know, part of our considerations and, and we're working towards that. So, you know, 
is it a 200,000 ounce thing that is the first project that goes? You know, probably not. I think it's probably something that's going to go and take this golden saddle to the next level of feasibility and then into production because now that re-rates the value of everything else in our district. And I think that's a really kind of uh, exciting part. And, you know, I think that's what it makes sense to be doing. And that is kind of the interest that we're getting. And I think, you know, the, the way that it would make most sense for us to proceed and the district to proceed. Yeah. And I want to try to get the potential across to the audience here because, you know, we do like the strategy, but it's been difficult. It hasn't shown up in the share price and you know that. And what's the thoughts on what you see that really needs to be done further here to start seeing the reflection in the uh, share price? Yeah. So you're absolutely right. And this is, you know, what we, I'm going to continue to focus on and take more opportunities like this. You know, white gold is effectively you know, a super junior, right? You could easily break this company up into four or five different public companies. In fact, you know, in 2011 and 12, when, you know, Underworld had their first big discovery, which Kinross bought for 120 million in the district, and Kamenak had their big discovery, which Gold Corp eventually bought for $500 million. There was a dozen different juniors in our district, right? And, and they were all Sean Ryan properties. He optioned off his package to all of them. Uh, when the markets went south in 2012 and 2013, you know, Sean got all these properties back. And that's when he combined them all into one to make white gold. So we are really the culmination of what was 10 or more different companies. You know, if 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 I were today to go break, I wouldn't do 10 companies, but let's say I broke this up into three different companies, the you know, the white gold property, their deposit, the JP Ross, you know, the stuff at the Betty beside um, Newmont and the stuff in the north, you know, I, I would almost guarantee that the the value of the share price you know, the sum of those prices would be far in excess of what we're trading at today. Now, this is a, a double-edged sword. To have it all in one company, we're truly optimizing the prospectivity of success for our white gold shareholders. But the challenge is, you know, it makes this story a little bit more difficult to follow. And you now also don't have as many people working in the district kind of waving the flag and banging the drum and trying to bring attention to the district. So that kind of the flip side of that, but you know, what are we going to do? You know, we need to continue and working and getting out to all the conferences and this virtual conference circuit now has really helped because, you know, we can kind of sign up for one, as many as there are available, right? You don't got to get on a plane, get to Zurich and spend two weeks and a lot of money to do it. It takes you, you know, a couple afternoons and whatever it costs to sign up to these meetings. And, they, and as the sophisticated investors take the time, understand the story, they really start to appreciate the unique value here and that, you know, they're, 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 this thing is, horribly undervalued right now um, you know if you look at just our deposit alone we're you know trade, trading at i don't know where it's forty dollars an ounce which is less than 50 percent of our peers um, we may not even have the grade that we have and that's giving no value to everything else so it doesn't take long to figure it out we just got to keep you know working and having people figure it out you know this is kind of a, a, a little bit of a you know an ideal time you know for someone to invest if they wanted to sort of coming out of tax season we're kind of in the you know planning point you know our, our work doesn't really start to uh for another couple of months so you know this is a bit of a lull where you're starting to see you know people wanting to accumulate in advance of you know what's hopefully going to be a you know very active season again and you know continue to see more and more emanating in the gold market and uh you know hopefully us continue to um execute on some of these potential strategic opportunities we have yeah, David, I think you guys will create the best value continuing to do what you're doing, and that is more deposits, satellite deposits, maybe some big ones. I think that'll eventually get the attention that's well-deserved as you guys move forward here. But on potential investors who are on the sidelines listening, 
market caps about 98 million Canadian here below our cost basis. What would you say to potential investors at this stage and at current price levels? White Gold, like I touched on earlier, is a company that's realized the success that every junior wants to achieve. Traditionally takes, you know, close to 10 years, it takes close to $100 million. We've done that in the Golden Saddle alone. So that, that's been done. You have that value there. We're trading, you know, probably under that value, cash invested value, you know, which is, which is insane. So, you know, that will get realized in this cycle. Um, you know, pretty confident of that. So as, as your, you know, downside protection, which, you know, I think a lot of investors look at, I think that is, should provide a lot of confidence. Um, and downside protection with really a lot of upside potential in that respect as well. Plus you have this incredibly large package that's also seen tens of millions of dollars of work. It's identified numerous different targets, some of them being drilled for the first time, some of them that will be drilled you know, for the first time in the coming seasons. So you have this unparalleled new discovery potential. Uh, the more work we're doing, the more we're learning, the more it's actually increasing our confidence in the prospectivity of the district. Um, and we're very you know, excited about the possibility for new, you know, you know, multi sort of million ounce type discoveries. That's what we're looking for. But, you know, the reality is with what's already been discovered in the district, any ounce you find is accretive one way or the other. Uh, and the fact that you're in a tier one jurisdiction, uh, you know, you, you cannot underscore the value of that. You know, we've been investing all over the world and you, know, you see it in the media these days. Uh, you know, you never know what can happen. But when you're somewhere where you know the rules, you know the players, the majors have confidence to invest there. I think that uh, says a lot. And, um, you know, that's the that's the lead you want to follow. And, David, the best way for investors to reach out to you and the company? Yeah, really uh, welcome any and all sort of interest. And, you know, we're happy to have these conversations. Go to our website. There's actually a, a, a book a call feature right on the front page of the website. Uh, all our contact is in is in there, whitegoldcorp.ca, uh, or you can reach us by email at ir at whitegoldcorp.ca. Well, David, keep up the uh, efforts to drive the value here. I really appreciate you taking the time, and thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having. Like I mentioned earlier, I've never been more optimistic about the opportunities and the prospectivities for this uh, company, and you know, tremendously excited and grateful to be able to. Uh, participate with everyone and really thank you for the support and your continued interest.